everybody out in the church. And I tell you what, I think we have some uh, pre-COVID attendance today. All right. How many people did remember coming back the first Sunday after COVID? We look like a bunch of bandits in here with masks on. We even took a, a group picture up front. We look like, tell you what, the other day I, I went to a jewelry store to get some things fixed, and uh, they, they had to buzz me in, and I had a mask on, and I started laughing. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to be buzzed in before COVID with a mask on? You'd be like, eh, that's what the buzz is for there. You can't come in. <laughs> it is great to see everybody, and it's great to have my family from Puerto Rico. Sabelle's father and mother, and uh, we're glad to have the first week, John, let me repeat that, John Alexander, little baby John Alexander, my grandson here, uh, sometimes I share him with Gwen, and uh, there we go, look at that, all right, it goes from this to that, <laughs> And then I mirrored the baby. Oh! <laughs> All right, get that off there. All right. It's on the picture. All right. So I am a blessed man, and you know, like uh, they say in the Bible, the, uh, the quiver of arrows. I, I've got a quiver full, and and. Uh, but I, I found out you don't want to go to your daughter-in-law that just had a baby and say, so when's the second one? <laughs> just want to let you know if you're not a grandpa, that's not a good, good don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't go there. Got some good daughter-in-laws, but their faces store. <laughs> what a great day. We're in a series, and, and we talked about how important it is, and over the last, man, several weeks, we've been talking about uh, who God is, not who somebody says God is, because that's where we get off track. Uh, tradition gets us off track because people will put into place their own experiences, and out of your experiences, you'll, if, if you're not following the Word of God, if you're not constantly in the Word of God, and even people that seem to be in the Word of God but aren't in the Word of God, they'll build a belief system. And out of that belief system, they make choices, just like you and I. And out of the choices, listen, out of those choices, it'll put them in experiences again. And those experiences will either confirm or contradict, and they'll have to change their belief system. And we've, we've talked about this in, in who God is, who He says He is through the Word of God. The second series that we went through in this, this overarching time in our church is who God says you are, not again. You know, somebody told me one time, you got a face that only a mother could love, and at this point, she's not too fond of it. You know? <laughs> That's pretty rough. And I struggled with that identity for, no, I'm kidding. But, but still, there are people that speak into your life who you are. But the Word of God says, we know that God is, the Bible says, sum it up in one word, God is love. If you, if you went through that whole middle section of who God says we are, we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now, what, some of us will not be able to go there because our belief system pulls back. Well, you don't know who I am. 
You don't know what I've done. You don't know what somebody's told me or spoken over my life. This morning, I'm speaking over your life what the Word of God says. That when you come to know Jesus Christ and make Him personal Lord and Savior of your life, you become the righteousness in Christ Jesus. As we begin to go into another period of this series and talking about the authority of the believer, as I said weeks ago, we look at through the Word of God, and any time a belief system of somebody has been challenged, the first uh, kind of illustration that we used is when Stephen, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after everything has happened in the ascension, that he is preaching, it's, he's part of the early church. And he begins to preach about who Jesus is and what he did, and the people get so mad. I'm talking their emotions are out of this world. They, they just begin to scream, and finally, it leads them to picking up rocks. And they begin to cast stones, and they begin to stone Stephen eventually to death. And it says that there's a man there named Saul, who later becomes Paul, that's giving approval to the stoning. Why? Because they believe this guy is speaking heresy. It fits a moment. Later on, as we know, that several times Paul will challenge people's belief system to the point that it'll cause riots. They'll begin to act like almost animals to the point where they'll begin, if you read this, it's almost unbelievable, but they begin to pick up dirt and throw it up. They begin to pull their hair. They go, ah! You know, they, because their belief system was challenged. And it led them to picking up rocks and stoning Paul. We know Jesus. Every time that he came into the uh, temple area that he began to preach and the Pharisees one time tried to what? They tried to stone him or push him off of a cliff to kill him, remember? And it, he says, walks right through the middle of it. His belief or his speaking challenged their belief system. Now, as we get into the authority of the believer in these next few weeks, and you'll hear sermons about this, here's what I want you to keep in mind. If you do not know the word of God, you won't recognize when a word of God is coming to you. How many times have you thought, I, I think I heard God speaking to me. And, and there's some people that are just honest and they go, no, but I don't know. It might have just been the pizza I ate last night. <laughs> and you go, what? That's kind of a big, you know, alternative there. And there's uncertainty because when God speaks to you, it's almost too good. And you want to say, God, do you really know who I am? And you know that he knows who you are. So you begin to go, you know, God, I've got to change my beliefs. I can't base it on just what I've been through in my experiences. So, so this morning, I've asked Brianna, soon to be Dr. Brianna, she is studying to theology and Biblical interpretation. Yeah, they've got it better than me. But it's a degree with a lot of, yeah, a lot of letters behind it. So I've asked Brianna to come and speak. And, and before I steal her thunder, I just want her to come and let's give her a hand. Thank you, Brianna. Good morning, y'all. How are you? I know you're doing well. I know you are. Because I just watched y'all throughout halftime just chit-chat with each other and mingle. And Pastor John almost couldn't corral y'all in. And I just love that. I love that you're coming to church and you're excited to speak to one another. So I'm excited to talk to you today. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brianna. And if I've not met you, I would love to meet you at the conclusion of service. Please don't leave without um, letting me say hi and getting to shake your hand and just saying that how nice it is that you're here. But can I just start by saying, I'm so proud of you for starting your day in the house of the Lord. There is no better place to be. There is no better place to be. E even the bed. Hear me. I'm one who loves sleep, okay? Sleep is a sacrament for me, okay? It's right next to communion. Like, <laughs> I love sleep, but there's no better place to be than the house of God. And can I tell you, we're going to have some fun this morning. 
We are going to have fun. Being a Christian is so fun. The world would lie to you and tell you we have no fun. That there's a bunch of stuff that we can't do and we're just, it is so boring to be a Christian. That they're not doing it right. It is a thrill to live for God. And I'm having the most fun of my life being his daughter. So I just invite y'all to just step into the fun. Welcome to the party. We're going to have a good time. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So you can go ahead and roll over to Genesis 126. And I'll join you there shortly. But I'd like to give a little bit of an introduction before we do. First, let me pray because, like, <laughs> I'm going to get going and we're going to get going quick. And I'm just going to speak to you for about the next 12 hours on the goodness of God. So let's go ahead and start. Lord, right now we welcome you into this conversation. We love you. We are so honored to know you. We're grateful for your sacrifice in the person of Jesus Christ, for the love that you poured out on us. And we just ask that you bless our time right now. Would you be lifted up? Would you add your blessing to your word? Would you speak into our hearts? And would we have eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to his church? You come and you have your way. You come and you be exalted. Come and be glorified. Anything that would set itself up against knowing you, against experiencing you, against encountering you, we come against right now in the full authority and name of Jesus Christ. We command every distraction, every bit of doubt, every bit of fear, and every bit of unbelief to bow its knee at the name of Jesus. May revelation be swift, and may it be profound. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So if you've been with us any length of time, like Pastor John kind of just gave that overview, we have been talking about who God is and who he says you are in him. Namely, that if you are a believer, you are his child, his son or his daughter. So what we're doing today, what I kind of get to do is like a transition point between the two series. Now we're getting ready to step into the authority of the believer as a result of, because of who he says you are. So today's going to be kind of like a transitional point, And I will be honest, there is so much. It is so rich and it's so deep. I could do this for the next month and not even scratch the surface. Okay. So there's a lot contained within it. And I want to just start by saying, I'm going to speak to you all from here on out as if everyone in the room is a believer. But I'm not naive enough to believe that every single person in here is a Christian. So if you are not, can I just say, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And I haven't forgotten about you. I've been praying for you. I've been believing for you. And I'm hoping that by the end of this message, you will experience how great and how awesome is our God, how amazing he is. And you will just you'll want to be a part of the family. So I want you to know this, this is for you. I haven't forgotten about you, but I'm going to go ahead and speak to you as if you are a believer, regardless from here on out. Okay. So Pastor John's really been talking about, um, like I said, identity. And so what I'm going to do is kind of create a bridge, a transition point, if you will, between the two series. And we're going to talk about the authority of those of us who are in Christ Jesus. One aspect, the first aspect of this, is, of this authority is the authority of your identity. If you are a believer, if you are a son or a daughter of God, there is an authority in knowing who you are. John 1, 11 through 12 says it this way. To as many as did receive Christ, he gave the authority to become sons and daughters of God. So there's an authority. And I really want to stay here for a moment because sometimes we don't know that we're saved. Those of us who've been saved for years can sometimes have some doubt about who we are. I think that the, anyone who's been um, like an old-time saint, I don't like that. You know, none of y'all are old in this room. You're seasoned. But if you've been a Christian for any number of years, I have. I'm 29, y'all. And I can remember this kind of line of thinking of, you know, every time you come to church, you just got to get saved again. If there was an altar call, you're going for it for salvation. Every, every week you got to come back and, you know, I got to get saved. I'm just, I'm just not right with God. Well, 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 have you received him? Did you receive the gift of what he did for you on the cross and dying for your sins and then raising three days later? Because if you did, the Bible says that he gave you the authority to be his child. So I think that this line of thinking and that context can come from a little bit of hyper sin awareness and sometimes a little bit of guilt and condemnation. So you begin to doubt your salvation because you just don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know where I was last night and you don't know what I said before I walked in the building. 
can I tell you that that does not strip away from your identity? And yes, that conviction, that, that, that sin consciousness is there as a gift from the Spirit. Galatians says it this way, that if we walk by the desires of the Spirit, we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. The two are in opposition to one another so that we're not free, but we're prevented from doing the acts of the flesh. So that's God-given, okay? Don't let that convince you, though. Don't let the enemy twist that and tell you that you're not a child of God because you messed up, because you've been in sin. Now, if you've been in sin... Don't you dare just sit with it and accept it. We don't deal with sin. We don't tolerate sin, okay? The Bible says, how can we who died to sin live in it any longer? You know. God knows. I don't need to know. He's already made provision for it. Get out of it. There's repentance for it. Turn and go the opposite direction. And remind yourself, I have the authority to be the son, the daughter of God. So can we start with that level of, of authority? It's the authority of identity. You can look at Galatians 4, 6 later and Romans 8, 5, and it talks about how the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you to reassure you that you are his child. Sit with that. Soak in that. So that's one aspect of authority. Another aspect of authority is the authority of assignment. So by this, what I mean is there is a reason why you are here on the earth. God did not just place you on the earth in an arbitrary time period to just grow up and get, uh, get fat, have some kids, ha you know, have a job, collect a check, nine to five, and then die all at the end of it. That is not why you're here. There is an assignment and there is a purpose for your life. There's a reason why you are here on the earth and you need to know it. Why? Where your assignment is, you have authority. Wherever God has gifted you to operate, you have an authority to operate there. Let me prove it to you. Not everybody in this room is gifted with the assignment to go into the business world and make moves there. But if you are, you've got an authority in that area. Not everyone is gifted to get up here and to talk. And those of you who have maybe have tried before have felt that. And you said, I will never do that again. There's an authority where God wants you to be. So let's talk about this for a second. The first authority we know is our authority together. I want to be very serious about the inclusivity of the church. The American church, we can be very individualistic, but scripture is not written that way. God deals with a people. He deals with a body. He deals with a nation. We are a church, a body. We are not isolated members. The body says we are members one of another. So we have an assignment as the church. What is it? We call it the Great Commission. Go into all of the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that's written in Scripture and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is our assignment as the body of believers. Go into all of the world, make disciples of all the nation, teach them to do what Scripture says, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But the way that we do that as individuals, varies from person to person, and therein lies your purpose and your assignment. You can fulfill the global mandate of the church in an individual manner, and God wants you to know what your purpose is. And your purpose is not necessarily synonymous with your occupation. I am not talking about the way that you earn money, okay? I am not talking about how you collect your job. I am talking about your assignment, and if you don't know it, let me start by saying God wants you to know it, and I don't care if you are 23 or 103 in this room. If you are still breathing and you don't know the purpose that God has you here for, he will still speak it to you. So you begin to talk to him. Later, like I said, you can read Luke 10, 1 through 19. This is a perfect example of this. Let me prove to you what I'm saying and make it come alive when I say that you have an authority where your assignment is. In this passage of scripture, Jesus is sending out some of his disciples, and he's giving them instructions, purpose assignment. And with it, he goes on to say, behold, I've given you authority to tread on lions and serpents and nothing shall by any means harm you. He says, and over all the power of the enemy. God gave them an assignment and then he gave them the authority to go and to fulfill the assignment. It works the same way with you and with me. So we need to know Okay, I'm overviewing these two things because it's very important. We can't go into your authority as a believer if you don't first know who you are, a child of God, and you don't second know why you're here, what he has you to do. There's authority there. You need to know. No one else is going to do it for you. God made you, and he made you to do it. No one's going to do it for you. And the third aspect of authority, the one that I want to spend the most time on today, is the authority to reign. Everyone say authority to reign. Authority to reign. 
Say it again. Authority to reign. If you are a believer, if you are a son or a daughter of God, you have the authority to reign in the earth. That's a royal word. It simply means to rule. But it's not used of just anything or anyone. We wouldn't say, I'm reigning at work. We wouldn't say, I just reign in my home. You know, if you have a spouse, they're going to look at you and be like, sit down, calm down. I don't know who you think you're reigning over. We don't just say that, right? And yet, we have an authority to reign and a responsibility to do so. There's royal connotation in that word. If you're a son or a daughter of God, guess what? You're a king's kid. You're a king's kid. And Romans 5, chapter 17, excuse me, verse 17, says it this way. Those who have received Christ Jesus reign as kings in life through Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility to reign. And I'm going to talk to you today about what it looks like to reign. Our reign is not like the reign of other kings and queens. We don't live in palaces. We don't have court officials. And we don't sit on a throne and say, go and do and come and go. We don't do that, okay? But our reign is not that much different. So we've got to talk about if we don't do it the way that earthly kings and queens do it, how do we do it? That's what we're going to talk about today. So roll on over to Genesis 126. Y'all, I'm so excited. Can you tell? I don't feel like you're as excited as I am about this. This is really big. And I'm really excited to, I'm really excited to share with you what God has. Okay, so let me tell you something. This is a big deal. I said, if you are a believer, you have the authority to reign. But can I tell you that if you are not a believer, you also have the authority to reign. And I want to talk about the two different reigns and the two different kingdoms and how they are in opposition to one another and what our responsibility is as believers. So Genesis 126, we're going to go there, we're going to read it. So this is in the beginning, and God has just gotten done creating the heavens and the earth, and he's getting ready to create mankind. So he's talking amongst himself. And our God, let me, let me clarify for those who are not familiar with the Christian faith, we do not serve three different gods. We serve one God. We call it the Trinity. You're not going to find that word in Scripture, so don't think I'm a heretic. That's just something that the theologians have done to sound more fancy, okay? So just that just means three. There's the Father, God. There's the Son, Jesus. There's the Holy Spirit. So we find God in the beginning, and he's talking amongst himself. And he's saying, getting ready to create mankind, which is a big deal. The crown of his creation, the only ones of whom it is said that they are made in his image. So that's where we find him. Let's read. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's all I'm going to read. And I'm going to explain it to you, what I mean when I say every single one of us, whether believers or not believers, we're reigning in some form. So what's going on is God has just created Adam. He's getting ready, excuse me, to create Adam. And then later on, he's going to create Eve. He places them in a, a, an environment of sheer perfection. There's no sickness. There's no lack. They're naked and unashamed. So clearly there are no calories. And, you know, there's just, it's utter perfection in this garden. Praise him. Don't you wish you could go back to that? Just, man, wow. Man, I know, I know. <laughs> there, there, it's, it's utter perfection, unhindered access to God. It's beautiful. And he blesses them. He says, let them have dominion, which simply means let them rule over all the earth. And then he gives them instructions. One instruction, one instruction only. Fill the earth, subdue it, be fruitful and multiply. He tells them, do not eat. The only thing you cannot eat is of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you do, you shall surely die. And what do they do? They eat of the fruit, the one thing that they were not supposed to do. And so through that one act of disobedience, here comes sin. That act of disobedience is sin. And as a result, here comes death, the reign of death. Let's look back at Romans 5.17. Remember I told you there are two different kinds of reigning. And there are two different types of kingdoms operating in the earth. Romans 5.17 says it this way. For if, because of one man's trespass, we're talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So 
there are two different types of reigning. There is the reign of death, which is, we can see that operating in the earth. Sickness, the curse, it is operative in those who do not belong to God. And then there's the reign of life, which was won in Jesus. We have dominion over the earth. I want to step on some toes for a moment, if I may. I want you to promise me that you will still love me at the end of this, but I will not compromise the truth of what this is at all because it is too weighty. There are lots of people, believers and unbelievers alike, who are offended with God right now because of what's going on in the world. Because if our God is so good, then why are people dying from COVID? And if our God is so good, then why is what's going on in Afghanistan taking place? And if he's as good as we say, then he must not be very powerful or else he would have stopped it by now. But we are still in the reign and the dominion of man. God said, let them rule. So that means whatever we allow to take place on this earth is what will be. So we get offended with God and we want to know why isn't he changing my situation? Why is stuff still going on? Why are people dying from one thing or another? It's summed up in these three words, let them rule. This is why it was necessary for Jesus to come to the earth as a man. See, he could have won salvation some other way. God is smart. You know, can we just go there? God is real smart. If he'd wanted to come another way, he could have. But it was necessary for Jesus to come with a fully human nature, still being fully God, because in order for any God to do anything on the earth, he's got to do it through a man. He has limited himself to work through you and to work through me. So whatever we allow is what's going to be. No matter how much it grieves his heart, no matter how much he wants to intervene, if he wants to do, if he's going to do anything, it's got to be through a man. That's why Ezekiel 22, you can read it later. It talks about how God said, I looked for someone who would stand in the gap and I couldn't find anyone. So I had to destroy that nation. So our God, he's still just as good, but we are not ruling like we should. There are two types of rules and we can look out in the world and see which one seems to be winning. The reign of Adam or the reign of Jesus. And let me tell you something. Our reign is not going to be through our politicians. I really want to step on your toes here because what is frustrating for me is the amount of hope and the amount of idolatry that we are placing in politicians who do not call on the name of God, who do not name his name. We want to affiliate with one political party or another as if the reign of God comes through the White House. It's going to be done through the church, through his body. It's not going to happen through the White House. I saw something and it just irked me. It just, I just didn't like it. And I'm not real strong about saying things that I don't like, but I'm strong today, y'all. I didn't like it at all. I saw a picture of a city and the city was in complete blackness and there was a flashlight shining into the sky with an outline of Donald Trump's face, President, former President Donald Trump's face as if to say that he is the light of this world. I don't like that because he is not. He is a man just like any other. I don't care if he is a, if he's a Christian. He's a man, and there's one light of the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. Did Donald Trump get on a cross and die for your sins? I don't think so. How dare we say that he's the light of the world, and this was posted by a believer. No. We need to repent of idolatry. We need to remember who we are. Be reminded that the authority comes through the believers, the body of Christ. Yes, vote. Do that. It is your responsibility. Yes, pray for our leaders. I pray for former President Donald Trump and current President Biden. You pray for them, but you realize they are not your solution. The solution is the church. The solution is in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about that. Like I said, the authority is not going to come through the White House. So what is the authority? I would suggest to you that the authority is in prayer. The way that we rule, like I said, we don't live in palaces. We don't live in kingdoms. We don't live in castles. We don't have people that we're ordering around telling them to do our will. So how do we order? How do we issue governance? How do we tell something what it's going to do, what it's going to be? How do we tell it to line up with the word of God? Through prayer. It is through prayer that we reign. We don't run around trying to bend other people to our will. 
We don't run around and say, I'm in charge, I'm in charge, look at me. We don't do it like the world does it. It's a totally different kingdom. We do it through prayer. And what is frustrating for me, let me share something with you that just, just, it just got all over me. And I think that many of you probably in this room could relate to this. Let me start by saying there's no condemnation if you can. We're going to be encouraged today. I've shared with you before, those of you who go to our church regularly, and if you remember, you just go ahead and act like this is the first time that you've heard it. Let it be like fresh revelation. But I've shared with you before that I was an RA and I went to a Christian university while I was in college. And so at a Christian university, I was responsible for kind of pastoring my hall. We gave dorm devos. We had to be there for, you know, physical needs as well as spiritual needs. So I had to very regularly be praying over them and delivering messages. So one semester I was praying about vision and where God would have me to take my hall. And I was sitting in class and my teacher made a profound statement just got all over me. I've never forgotten it. Probably never will. He said, most Christians do not read their Bibles and they do not pray. So that, that sat with me and naive person that I am, I said, that just can't be true. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking, no, no. And then it, as I sat with it and I just began to pray, I wanted to know why that was. It can't be because everybody's just lazy. You know, there are some strong people who go, well, everyone's lazy, and they're just going to hell. That's why they're not reading their Bibles. Well, it just can't be that. It can't be that everyone's just lazy and on the way to hell. So again, I started to pray and ask God, what is it? What is it that is keeping your people? I'm not talking about people who, who name the name of Christ and live like they don't know him. I'm talking about people who, who are his. Why are they not reading their Bibles? Why are they not praying? So I, I kind of sat with that. I marinated in it. And I created a little bit, a little anonymous survey for my hall. I had a hall of, I think it was about 23 girls that semester. And I wanted to give it to them and ask them how many days a week they read their Bibles and prayed and how they felt about it. So I kept it anonymous and I gave them options. Let's come to the, the fun side of the spectrum. I said, I read my Bible every single day and I feel like the heavens are opened and revelation is swift. And, you know, I, when I pray, I just get lost for hours in the goodness of God's glory. And I just, I just talk to him. I put that as an option. Okay. And then we came over to the other side of the spectrum, way over here on zero. And I said, I, I don't read my Bible because I really don't understand what I'm saying. It doesn't seem like it's relevant. It, and, I, and I don't really pray because I don't feel like um, I know what to say. I run out of things to say pretty quickly. And I don't really feel like God is listening or that my prayers made a difference. Can I tell you that every single person, every single person circled this that they read their Bibles between zero to three days a week, I gave a range, and that they did not feel like they understood what they were reading, that it was not fruitful, and they didn't feel like their prayers made a difference or like they knew what to say when they were praying. Every single one. These are Christians spending thousands of dollars on a Bible-based education, and they were coming out no better for it. And I would venture to wager that if I would give that same survey to you guys in here, that there are many of you who could say, I can relate to that. I don't understand my Bible. I really don't understand what prayer is. So what I'd like to do is make prayer tangible. Let's make it accessible to you because this is the way that you will reign. And I hope, my hope is that at the conclusion of this message, you will find your prayer life completely revolutionized as God gives you revelation as to what prayer is. So let's talk about it. What is prayer? I'm going to give a simple definition. Prayer is communication with God by which we come to know him and his desires for our lives and for the world intimately and by which we establish his rule and his will in our lives and on the earth. Let me say it again. Prayer is communication with God by which we come to know him and his desires for our lives and for the world intimately and by which we enforce his rule and his will in our lives and on the earth. That is what prayer is in a nutshell. Let me give you some scriptures. If you're going to look at Philippians 4, 6, it talks about different types of prayer. One type of prayer is supplication. That's just a fancy word that just means earnest asking. So this can be, God, I really need you to intervene in my marriage. I really need you to intervene in the world. You see what's going on over there. We're asking for your hand. That's what that looks like, an earnest asking. Another type of prayer mentioned in Philippians 4, 6 is thanksgiving. This is, thank you, Lord, for my clothing. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this job. Thank you that you came through in that situation when it looked so dark. Thank you that you're here. That is the thankfulness aspect of prayer. 1 Timothy 2, 1. You can look at these later. You can write them down. Another type of prayer is petition. 
it likens prayer to petition. That's another word that simply means asking. But there's a tone of formality. That's like the type of, I'm going before a king to petition him to do something on my behalf, a formal type of asking. And again, it mentions thanksgiving. But then it offers a third one, intercession. That is asking on behalf of another person. God bless my family. Be with my husband. Bless my children. Would you heal his heart? Would you bless us with a, with bless him with a job? Asking on behalf of another person. So that right there, that just gives you, if you didn't know what prayer was and you really didn't know where to start, start with asking. You can start with thanking him. You can start with asking him to do something on behalf of another. Those are just three different aspects of prayer. Okay, so what do we say in prayer? This is huge. You can say, Brianna, that sounds all cute and stuff, but again, I've tried this thing. I've gotten behind closed doors. I've prayed for two minutes. It really has not worked out for me. Well, let's talk about that. If you get into the word of God, first of all, let me tell you, you, sh you should not pray apart from the word ever because how can we know that we're praying accurately? We know because we know what his will is by what his word says. Let me answer some questions. This is huge. This is really huge. If you are going to be a Christian, you've got to believe in the infallibility and the authority of Scripture. There can be no other option. And you cannot compromise on this. If it's not in the Word of God, then it's not so. Period. Well, what about, well, what about? No. There is no what about. Let God be true and every man a liar. If it's not here, it's not so. Okay? So I really want to address those who would look to other sources of knowledge. I'm not, I'm not condemning. I'm encouraging. Please don't hear condemnation. I recognize that we want to know revelation. We are wired to want to know the things of the supernatural. We are wired that way. We serve a supernatural God who has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that we want. You are supposed to know. The problem comes when you consult the stars, when you consult other people, when you go to the palm reader, when you call up the witch doctor, when you play with the voodoo dolls, when you look at the science textbooks, if it's not here, it is not so. End of story. So if you're going to be a believer, you need to start here. If you want to pray accurately, well, we've got to know what God says. We have to know what his will is for our lives. And that is where we start. So I would encourage you very early in my um, adult Christian life, I was raised in a Christian home and I was surrounded with prayer. Y'all, I can remember people praying in tongues, like little, little. <laughs> like, that's like, I went to church and everybody's like in tongues. And you know, you're kind of, you're two and you're kind of looking like, do y'all speak English up in here? My, my nieces, I'll tell you something funny. Sometimes I go outside, I work from home now and I'll go outside and I'll pray because my, my nieces will come over and they, they, they're a distraction. So <laughs> they come and I go outside to pray in the backyard and I was praying in tongues the other day outside. My oldest niece, Faith, <laughs> she's seven. She opened up the door and she goes, and she looked at me and said, I'll, I'll be in in a moment. Go, I'm trying to pray. She, clo she closes the door, and I go back in. She goes, Bibi, I didn't know you know Spanish. <laughs> Cutest thing ever. I said, no, baby, I don't know Spanish. That was tongues. Oh, okay. You know? So, I, you know, I know what it looks like when you're young and people are speaking. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it just looks a little weird. So, um. <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. I just thought it was cute. I wanted to share with you. But so I've been raised in an environment of knowing what prayer is, but very early in my life, so I don't know how to explain this, but something went off on the inside of me when I turned 18. And I just kind of had this thought spinning in my mind. My parents are not responsible for my salvation. My parents are not responsible for my salvation. I've got to know what I believe. And I'm going to make the decision from here on out if I go to church and if I serve God and what that looks like. That just, it just stuck to me like glue. Do I want to live for God or am I going to go another way? I, I was not, let me clarify, I wasn't thinking about going another way. It was just like, like a light bulb went off. You're grown now. So in my early adult Christian life, I would get behind closed doors. I would take out the Bible. I'd start to read it and I would start to pray it. I started to pray about what God wanted me to wanted me to do in my life. And so I turned to Psalm 37, which says that my steps are ordered of the Lord. So this is what that looks like. When you're praying, when you're looking for guidance and you want to know where to go, well, you got you got to know that God wants you to know where to go. How can you know that? Because he says it. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. So God, if all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in you and I'm in you, then they're mine. Would you unlock those to me? That's what that looks like to pray scripture. So can, can I just address something? If you're looking for healing in the room, 
healing of a broken heart or a physical healing that is necessary, there's provision in the word of God. And let me tell you why it is important that you use God's words to pray. Because Luke 137, yes, says there is no word of God that's without power. So here's the deal. Whenever you pray your own words, they feel flat, don't they? God bless me. God keep me. God watch over us. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should rise before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to sake. Nobody comes away from that. Oh, yes. I felt the spirit in that. Nobody feels the spirit in, God, I thank you for this food. God, I thank you for this food. The little nursery things that they teach the kiddos to pray over their food. No one goes, yes. The word was in that. Nobody does that. Because the word's not in it. So you recognize there's a difference when the word is being spoken versus when your own words are being spoken. No word of God is without power. Hebrews 4.12 says it this way. The word of God is alive. It's active. It's operative. It's energizing. It's effective in the earth. There's an activity behind God's word. God's words, they don't fall flat. They're living words. They're active words. The Bible says he sends his word which means it's got to be, there's got to be activity. Nobody sends some words and just throws them down. Here's some words that do nothing. What is that going to do for me? Not anything, not one thing. God's word is not like that. When he sends his word, the Bible says he sends his word and he heals. That he's watching over his word to perform it. There's an activity. So the reason why we want to pray, number one, it's the, that's how you pray perfectly. Number two, that's how your assured answers. John says it this way. John 5, 15, 7, Jesus says, if you live in me and my words live in you, you can ask what you will and it will be done for you by your Father who's in heaven. So here's the deal. Not only do you have the authority to reign in prayer, but you have the authority to know that your prayers will be answered. You are guaranteed an answer. 1 John chapter 5, I believe it's 15 and 16. Let me not lie to you. I have it written. 14 and 15. See, it pays not to lie. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says it this way. If you, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if he hears you, you know that you have the things that you've asked of him. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a short ticket to answered prayer. And it's in the word of God. Let me tell you what blocks prayers being answered. Sin. Every time. I'm going to come back to sin. I don't believe in being hypersensitive to, on sin. But we also kind of and kind of straying away from the hellfire and brimstone message as we should of the past we've kind of gotten lax on sin it started to be tolerated in the church you can live any kind of way and come and you know god's so good he is so good but he's holy let's not throw out his holiness and he said i am holy so you shall be holy simply means separated set apart for his use that doesn't mean that we've got one foot in the world and one foot in in the church it is all or nothing. There is no 50-50. You're either following God or you're not. So we don't tolerate sin. The problem with sin is that it separates. God is holy and he cannot be in the midst of sin. Now he's made provision for our sin and he's paid for every single one of it. But if we persist in sin, scripture says there's no longer any sacrifice for us. Strong language. I didn't say it. God said it. Talk to him. It's a big deal. So sin will block your, your prayers every time. Being in strife and not walking in love will block your prayers every time. God was serious when he said, this is the commandment that I give you to love one another. And here's the thing. You can fake it in here. Oh, bless you, sister. Bless you, brother. Did you see what he was wearing? He had the nerve. Did you see what he posted on Facebook? Well, I heard he left the last three churches he was at, and he started some problems. Da, da, da. That, that does not belong here. It should be named among Christians that we are so sober of mind that we wouldn't speak against another believer, even if it's true. If you saw someone in sin, it's not yours to talk about. It is ours to pray over. We are supposed to be praying for each other. If we can't do it with the family, how do you think you're going to love your enemies? How are we going to evangelize the world? How are people going to be saved? They're not because they heard what you said about him. And they heard what you said about her when you didn't even know they were listening. These things, they block our prayers from being answered. And then we come to God and we get offended because, well, I prayed and that prayer stuff just doesn't work. No, you didn't work. You didn't work it. So there are blockages to this prayer thing. And when we pray, 
It should be in purity. It should be in holiness. The Bible says worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So we have a confidence in prayer, but the thing that makes us not confident and the thing that makes us stay away from prayer is, is sin, which disrupts a fellowship, is not walking in love, which is still just as much a sin. Okay? Don't tolerate it. I'm encouraging you. You kick it out. You're better. You're, you were redeemed and you were bought for more. There's a life ahead of you that's so much better than that. Get it out. Kick it out. You have the authority to kick it out. I recognize there are strongholds. Guess what? The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are mighty before God for the destruction and the overthrowing of strongholds. Okay? So I'm not, I'm not talking to you as if I, I don't realize that there are some sin issues that are like a stronghold. They're like a bondage, and you would say, I fought, I've tried, and it just hasn't worked. You keep fighting. You're guaranteed a victory. Scripture says, praise be to God who always leads us in victory, okay? You are more than an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror in him, and don't you listen to the lies of the enemy that would tell you anything else. Again, authority of identity. You're a child of God, okay? So I'm going to wrap it up because, like, I got six more hours left in me. Like I said, the biggest thing about this prayer thing is that that is how we establish the rule of God on the earth. So we've got to be praying and we have to be praying what is in here. Don't walk, don't run before you can walk. Stop at the verse. Find one verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So this is what it looks like. Lord, your word says that you are my shepherd and that I shall not want. So I speak to every area of lack and I declare this in the name of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what that looks like. There's an energy behind that. And you know what there is? There's power. When you get the word of God in your mouth and you send it out, the angels get busy doing what you say. If you do not believe me, read the book of Daniel. The Bible said to, in scripture, Daniel had been praying for an answer and it was delayed. And then the angel came to him and he said, the moment that you set your face to seek your God and to humble yourself, the answer was given. But there was a delay. Many Christians get lost in the delay. We get frustrated because this is taking too long. I just had something happen in my life, and if I had time to tell you, I would, that I've been praying over for eight years that God did in a moment. Eight years, y'all. I could have given up a long time ago. I could have let it go. There were times where it was a little frustrating. I'm kind of passive, so I was kind of like, God, you're going to do it. <laughs> but I understand how you can get frustrated in the delay. Luke 18.1 talks to this. <laughs> okay, okay. Everybody who knows me, I know I love this green microphone. It's the only one I'll use. So I go green, 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 and everybody makes fun of me. All right, I don't care. <laughs> um, so Luke 18, 1 is talking about this widow, and there's this unrighteous judge. The Bible likens us who are, are fools and we're weary from praying to this woman. She's going to this judge who doesn't care about God, who doesn't care about people, who's wicked, who's evil. And she's begging him to give her the justice that she deserves. And so she goes in and she, every day and night, and she begs, and she begs, and she begs. Some of us feel like God is that way. I begged and I begged and I begged and I still don't have a wife. I begged and I begged and I begged and, and I'm still sick. I begged and I begged and I begged and, and my children are still not saved. I begged and I begged and my marriage is still falling apart. Where is this God? The passage goes on to say, and I, I so encourage you to read it later. That the, the judge says, though I don't fear God and I don't care about people, so she doesn't wear me out, I'm going to give her what she asks for. The point is, number one, that she didn't give up. And that was a wicked judge. That was a wicked one. Our God is good. And it goes on to say, how will he not much more speedily give justice to his chosen ones? It doesn't always feel fast, but can I tell you, the Bible says that God is not slow, as some count slowness in keeping his promises, but he's patient, and he requires the same of you and of I. And what that patience is meant to do is to draw us closer to him, not away. Don't let a delay in answered prayer keep you, because again, the confidence that you have according to the word of God is that you're going to get it. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. You've got the guarantee. So you keep that in front of your face and you continue to say, God, I've prayed and I've prayed for my husband to be saved. And I know what your word says about it, that if I will embody what your word says to do, that he will be won over without a word by my life. There's someone in here who needs to be reminded of that. 
Stay with the word of God. Keep praying it. In conclusion, I want to read something to you, and it's so precious. Just listen real quickly. And then what I'm going to have you do is stand, and I want to pray over you. This is a book, and I recommend it if you're a reader. It's His name is E.M. Bounds, and he's dead. And um, so he's from, from way back in the day. Um, so don't necessarily look for a sermon because he's not with us. But uh, he's written this wonderful book on prayer, and it's the total collections of him on prayer, profound insights. And I want to read it to you. It says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. The words are the words of our Lord, who not only ever sought to impress upon his followers the urgency and the importance of prayer, but he set them an example which, alas, they have been too slow to copy. The always speaks for itself. Prayer is not a meaningless function or duty to be crowded into the busy or the weary ends of the day. And we are not obeying our Lord's command when we content ourselves with a few minutes on our knees in the morning rush or late at night when the faculties, tired with the tasks of the day, call out for rest. God is always within call, it is true, and his ear is ever attentive to the cry of his child, but we can never get to know him if we use the vehicle of prayer as we use the telephone or a few words of hurried conversation. Intimacy requires development. We can never know God as it is our privilege to know him by brief and fragmentary and unconsidered repetitions of intercessions that are requests for personal favors and nothing more. That is not the way in which we can come into communication with heaven's king. The goal of prayer is the ear of God, a goal that can only be reached by patient and continued and continuous waiting upon him, pouring out our hearts to him and permitting him to speak to us. Only by so doing can we expect to know him, and as we come to know him better, we shall spend more time in his presence and find that presence a constant and ever-increasing delight. Always does not mean that we are to neglect the ordinary duties of life. What it means is that the soul which has come into intimate contact with God and the silence of the prayer chamber is never out of conscious touch with the Father, that the heart is always going out to him in loving communion, and that the moment his mind is released from the task on which it is engaged, it returns as naturally to God as the bird returns to its nest. That's what prayer is, and that's what it's meant to be. And the problem that we have in prayer is that we assume that a lot of people know how to do it, and they they just don't. Or we assume that we know how to do it because we do it in church, and, and it feels so good when we're here and the preacher's saying the prayer over us, and you can pray then, but when, it's, when you get in the car, it's gone. It's like you don't know what to say to God. God wants to revolutionize your prayer lives today, and it's important not only for you as an individual, for your family and your little microcosm of the world in which you're ruling, but it's important for this world. If we are not praying, lives are not being won. If we are not praying, there are souls that are going to hell. And we should not be able to sit by and tolerate that as if it doesn't matter. It mattered enough to our Lord that he died to make it not happen. He said, ask of me. He said this to Jesus and the same is to us. Ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. We are supposed to want souls. We are supposed to be fishers of men. The world will not see God unless we establish his rule on this earth through our praying. And we have not been praying as we should. I am including myself. And God wants to restore the ministry of prayer over your children, over your homes, over this nation, over the country, over the world. He wants you to be a powerful prayer. James chapter 5 says it this way, the fervent prayer of the righteous person uh, makes tremendous power available and it's dynamic and it's working. There's power in your prayers and we need them. We need them. There is no more power in me praying. Don't think just because I've got the microphone that somehow I'm more powerful than you. No, I've got the same Holy Spirit that you have if you belong to Jesus today. And the power is within you. And we need you. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And we need each other to be praying. So will you stand with me? I want to pray over you and pray that God just blesses this weekend that you would find sweet moments to pray. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. First, I want to just welcome anyone in this room, if you would say, I am not a Christian, and I've been wondering about this thing, I've been thinking about this thing, and I feel like God's beckoning me, you know, I'm not going to convince you, I'm not going to coerce you, I'm not, you know that God's been knocking on the door of your heart. Will you just raise your hand and say that you want to accept Jesus? Thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There are hands, y'all, going up. People are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. This is, heaven is celebrating right now, guys. 
Lord, let's everybody just repeat after me. Yeah. Welcome to the family. Hallelujah. Everybody repeat after me. We're going to pray together. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for sending your son on the cross, paying for every one of my sins, and loving me and bringing me into relationship with you. Right now, I give you my sin. I accept your righteousness. I'm pleased to become part of your family. And I give my life to you. The second group of people that I want to pray for is those of you who know that you have not been praying for whatever reason. You just haven't been. Whether you're discouraged, you're frustrated, prayer has not been fruitful for you, or you just didn't believe that prayer worked. I want to pray that God just gives you a new prayer fire. So will you raise your hand, every every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you know that God wants to revolutionize your prayer life, would you lift your hands? There are hands going over. Hallelujah for prayer warriors. Right now, God, you see every heart, you see every lifted hand. And I pray a blessing over these, that you would teach us to pray. Just like the disciples said, teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. Meet us in the prayer chamber. Stir us to pray. Whenever we have idle time, may we not first look to try to fill it with TV, fill it with other people, fill it with idle activities that have no meaning for the kingdom. God, may we fill it with prayer. As we open up our mouths, would you fill them with words that we can speak out over this world, over this nation, over this kingdom. Guys, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to pray together. We're going to exercise that which God has given us. We pray for the nation of Afghanistan. God, if we don't pray, who will? We cry out on behalf of those who are suffering, and we ask for miracles. Father, we ask for your glory to shine in that nation. We ask that as a result of this tribulation, that the word of God would go forth in power. We pray for salvation and changed lives. The scandal of the gospel, God, is that you love the leaders of the Taliban. So we pray over them that their lives would be changed. We pray for salvation, that just as you did in the life of Paul, who was persecuting the church and persecuting others, would you meet them in a Damascus moment? And I pray that that which the enemy was using for evil would be used for the good of the kingdom of God, to the glory of God the Father. Father, we pray protection and great grace rest on persecuted believers in that area. Would they be strengthened, God, to stand boldly? And would their bold witness add lives to the kingdom? Hallelujah. We pray for our own nation right now, God. You see the discord. You see the division. You see where the body of Christ is fighting. We're fighting against each other as a result of politics and vaccines. And one thing or another, God, right now we just declare exactly what you've said in your word. The unity of the church will be kept by the binding power of peace. Would you make peace between those who have had rifts? Would you bring reconciliation, which is your ministry? Would you heal this nation? God, we pray against COVID and those who are sick. We remember Scott, where he is, and we just pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. By his stripes, by your stripes, Jesus, he is healed. By your stripes, they are healed. I'm praying miracles in hospital rooms. Would you raise them up off their sick beds? I'm praying miracles in homes. Would you raise them up off their sick sick beds. The power of the glory of God. I pray over families in this room with with um, with uh, relational issues. God, if there's strife, if there's confusion, I just pray for healing of broken relationships. I pray healing of marriages right now, God. People who can't even say one word to one another without hurting each other, I pray that you would heal them and that you would put pleasant and gracious words in their mouths. Would you heal their hearts? Would you heal their families? I'm praying for those who are not saved. God, your word says that you are ever passionate about the lost coming to know your love. I pray that you would minister your love and that you would show up in their lives. Would many be brought to the faith of Jesus Christ? And we pray, God, right now we surrender ourselves to you and say, use us. Here I am, use me. Here I am, Lord. If no one else will say, here I am, here I am. Use my prayers. Take my time. Let me be the one who cries out on behalf of your kingdom for your glory to be seen, for your will to be established on the earth. May we be serious about the ministry of prayer. God, may we be serious, not about arguing, but about praying. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. We love you. We're so grateful for your love and for the power of your spirit. Thank you for giving us this authority. May we use it in humility and may we use it well. We are honored to do so. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You may be seated for five minutes, and then we'll be out of here. Man, Brianna did a great job, didn't she? Also, this will be on uh, YouTube and also Facebook if you'd like to see it again. 
Um, I want to just give you some quick announcements before we leave. As a family of believers, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to take up our offering. And uh, sometimes as a family, you do not know, you know, when, when you're uh, maybe just without knowing, you don't know the cost of uh, a family and all the things that go on. But at the same time, I want to remind you that our church is very grateful for your giving. And it is uh, important that you know that. Uh, just some of the, the cost of, of having church, uh, 11500 for our insurance that's coming due next week. Aren't you glad that we got that money? Oh, we need you to get, we got the money. Do you know that in January, the, the taxes on our for-profit businesses that are actually uh, reaching our community, Axiom Coffee, the taxes on those buildings are going to be around $25,000. Oh, we, we got to have your money right now, right now. Aren't you glad that we got that money? <clears throat> but it's because people give and because God has blessed us to be a blessing. And so we, we could just huddle up in here and say, you know, this is all we're going to do. But there's so much more, our missions outreach and all the things that we do. I, I make this uh, aware to you so that we do not become uh, people of, well, I, I, I know that there's some people that, that give, but I, I don't. That we all give, that we're all blessed and we're generous on every occasion. In the next few minutes, we'll let you uh, leave this place and our ushers will be back there. Um, somehow, uh, this is going to help you ever since COVID, that we don't pass the plate, but you, yeah, you give it on the way out. So anyway, it, it is a, just a method of giving that you give it on your way out instead of like we used to do. And we might return to that someday. But right now, the offering is taken up on your way out. Uh, if this is your first time, again, I would encourage you to fill out a connection card um, so that we can come visit you every day for the next year. No, I don't know. Something about connection cards get people scared. Oh, no, they're going to have my... We will not sell your information, by the way, if that helps. But we want to give you a free gift. There's one in the back. Um, as you fill out one, we'll give you a gift. But also, just a lot of times that you go through announcements and people go, I really never knew what was happening. And that's a way that we can get in contact with you. Also, the third thing that I want you to know is that um, let's continue to pray. And if you'd like to help, uh, there's been a, a passing away of Homer Cruz's father. Some of you didn't know that. I wanted to make you aware that we're praying for the family and uh, we're providing for them as we do during this time. But be aware of that. On Sunday night, August 29th, that's next Sunday night, about 6.30, not about, but 6.30, we're going to have a night of worship. And, and this is very important for the believer to, to every time you get a chance to worship. You know, uh, Gwen and I, we had some worship music going when I'm, we're getting dressed this morning and it, it sets the whole day right. So this is going to end our day right next Sunday night at 6.30, a night of worship. And then the fourth and final announcement is that I want to uh, encourage all of our silver gray foxes or whatever you want to call them, the, the elderly, the seniors. Uh, we're going to have a, a seniors day on the first Sunday of September. And that is a day that we're going to go out to eat with. We're going to have a, a dynamic speaker and Alex and Nettie, they're going to give their, uh, their vision of Cambodia and missions. And then we're going to all go to uh, Posadas that afternoon after church. And, and some, you know, let me just say this. If, if we pick Chinese food, I don't like Chinese food. If we pick Mexican, I don't like Mexican. If we like fish, no, no, I don't like fish. There always is going to be something. There's going to be croutons in water wherever we go. So I'm sure that you could eat croutons. So the, the reason why we're going to Posadas is they're going to give us, as a church group, 20% off that we'll be able to bless our waiters and waitresses, but also that, uh, that we can all kind of sit at a large table together. If you've ever tried to sit at a table more than about five, they're like, oh, I, I don't know if we even have five. You know. So anyway, this was a way that we can all get together and have a great 
afternoon lunch. Everybody pays for their own. And uh, then, then at the end of that, we'll just uh, celebrate just being a part of the family. Um, I'm gonna, Bruno, do you need to say something? Hello. Um, just on one last announcement. Uh, we are, as you guys remember, some of you probably don't, we got off of My Giving Solutions and we are giving, going to, uh, I forgot the name of the new site. Doesn't matter. If you go to the main site, it's there. Um, over this week, we'll get, be getting all the history from beginning of the year to May. So some of you have not registered on the new site. I know who you are. Um, we are actually creating accounts for you on the new system. So if you go there and you try to register and it says, oh, we already have your account, just go in and reset your password so you can actually go in and look at your history. Um, and we're also working on getting all the history from the old system. So any account that was not created will be created and you, get to, you need to reset your password if you ever need to log in. So that's all the announcement that I had. Thank you. Thank you, Bruno. Bruno is one of our board members, and he is helping me with all the IT again of when we give online. Uh, some some people say, well, I don't feel comfortable. That's why you can give it here at the church. You can drop it at the mailbox during the week. But if you feel comfortable giving online, this new online giving is you know one of the ultimate in security. Just go in and set up a whole new account, put in your put in a password of your choosing, and then you can go back. It'll also give you the ability, I believe, to give you a tax receipt whenever you want to file uh, at the end of the year, whatever. It is a legal document. It's all set up in there. You can go back and check and go, I gave that much or I need to give some more, you know, whatever. It just kind of gives you a tracking device of what you're giving. Man, I tell you what, I, I was so blessed with what Brianna preached today. And I believe as we're in, in this series, it is important for you to be here every week because the authority of the believer, sometimes you don't know what you're blessed with, but the word of God lets us know. Next week, it's going to be a powerful week. You watch. Gwen is going to come. And, and let me tell you, I, I, you didn't see it, but I had to hold her back. She was about ready to come up here and tag team with Brianna, you know. Brianna didn't need any help if you didn't notice that. But but anyway, it's going to be and And I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, so just don't miss a Sunday. Let's stand, pray, and be dismissed. God, I'm praying that you would bless my wonderful friends and family. And as we go, as we go into all the world, Help us preach the good news with our lifestyle and our mouth. That, God, that we are light. God, we don't join in on the negative conversations about what's happening. We choose to have hope and preach that to a dying world that gives them hope of a future, a plan, a, a good plan that you have for them. And, God, I pray that all of us, God, would have a wonderful day and week this week. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Go get them, guys.